Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 158th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cameron. Mizzou is 1-0. NFL football starts tonight. What else could you ask for? Absolutely nothing. I'm wearing my uh, Carolina Panthers hat mm. in honor of the NFL season kicking off tonight. Cowboys, Buccaneers, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who are you rooting for in that one? Uh, whoever's on my fantasy team. So, CeeDee Lamb. A little bit of both, then. A little Chris Godwin. Okay. Yeah, Needs some, need some points. That's all I'm, I'm gotcha. rooting for. Uh, well, I should say right off the bat, if I, I'm sorry if my voice isn't as perfect as it usually is. I'm dealing with a little bit of congestion. Yeah, it usually is perfect. Thank you. We're gonna pow- I'm going to power through the congestion, and uh, hopefully it's not too bad for everybody listening and watching. Because we got to talk about that week one win. Uh, we're going to recap that game, preview the Kentucky matchup in week two, and pick a bunch of SEC non-conference games. We missed out on that last week and uh, back by popular demand. I would have never imagined that somebody would have specifically said, where were the picks? But uh, I appreciate those of you that were looking for that. Sorry we missed that last week. We are back at it with the picks this week. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind everyone to go check us out on YouTube. If you're just listening to the podcast in audio form, leaving a subscription over there or a like on the video is very much appreciated. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, going over and leaving us a review on iTunes or a podcast service is very much appreciated. And a special shout out to our newest Patreon supporter, Luis Hernandez. Lewis, I've seen you in the YouTube comments, very active over there, appreciate you, and uh, now supporting us on Patreon. That's It amazes me every single time we get a new Patreon supporter because it just, I don't know, it feels good. And we're just two Mizzou fans doing a little <laughs> podcast and people are supporting us. And Yeah, we're so thankful for you guys. It really means a lot. Yeah. All right, Kyle. So week one's in the books. Mizzou won... 34 to 24, very close to my score prediction of 31-24. Mizzou just had to tack on that last field goal to make it a 10-point win. I think you were secretly hoping for a for a close game so you could look good on the podcast. Well, I mean, who wouldn't, first of all? Second of all, honestly, when I saw some corners of Mizzou fandom predicting like a, you know, blowout mizzou win or giving central michigan no chance whatsoever yeah i kind of wanted to be like hey everyone like maybe this isn't going to be a blowout like yeah i mizzou might win handily but it's not going to be like a i don't know three touchdown plus victory they're not just going to cruise and especially first game of the season yeah i just the fact that it was close and some people were in my opinion foolishly predicting a blowout i was kind of like yeah well you know we kind of told you that was going to happen yeah um i mean we might as well just get right into it um before we get into the game i mean i don't think that you and i are surprised by anything that happened on saturday i know that's not the case for a lot of mizzou fans and that's okay i mean we're all we're all pumped up we're all so excited about football season there's a lot of things to be to be excited about with mizzou squad we have a bright future um 
However, sometimes it just takes a little bit of time for things to gel. Yeah. Uh, Mookie Cooper hasn't played a game in two years. He's not going to light the world on fire in his first game, game back. You know, there's so many of these things that, like, we we including us, we want to see yeah. them so badly. We want to see Mizzou go out and beat Central Michigan by five touchdowns. But um, I would just say that my season expectations have not changed whatsoever. Um, I still think Mizzou has a chance to be really good this year. They'll, I think they'll definitely make a bowl game. Um, nothing has changed by what I saw in that game on Saturday. And were there some concerns? Yes. And we'll talk about those. And there was a lot of good things, too. So I just think all offseason, we kind of stressed, like, I know we're all excited and it's fun, but let's not get too carried away with expectations. And I think Coach Drink would have said the same thing. Yeah. And I think he basically has said that in a less direct way, just, you know, week by week, every time he gives a press conference, he is talking about how there's a lot of room for improvement. And when he talked about you know, leading up to central Michigan, he talked about how he doesn't count anything as a win. He's been on the, he said he's been on the other side. He was the, you know, group of five team coming in and knocking off a power conference opponent, um, when they didn't expect it. So he knows it's possible and he knows not to take any team lightly. And yeah, I mean, if your expectation for this season was that they would go undefeated and, you know, be competing for the college football playoff, then this game probably did derail some of that for you, but that was never going to happen anyway. But yeah, I don't really know what to tell you if that was your expectation. Right. But if you had more reasonable expectations and you thought, you know, like a seven to nine win season was the range that you were hopeful for, then there's no reason that this game should have, you know, derailed those expectations for you. Yeah, I agree. All of that is still on the table. Um, you know, fine tuning your expectations along the way is a great idea if you don't want to get uh, super disappointed towards the end of the season. And uh, I'm just seeing some of the reactions on Twitter and even in the, in the podcast discord with our Patreon supporters, there was uh, this kind of tone of panic coming across the keyboard that I thought was a little bit unwarranted. And I just want everybody to know they can take a deep breath. This is a long season. Uh, there were aspects of the game against Central Michigan where Missouri definitely did not look very good, and we'll cover all that. But that's to be expected early in the season against a decent opponent. That I don't think, and we're going to compare that a little bit to Kentucky's first game when we preview that matchup. They were playing Louisiana Monroe, who went 0 and 10 last year on the season, and is just objectively a much worse team than Central Michigan. Yeah, Central Michigan would probably be favored by two touchdowns against mm. Louisiana Monroe for sure. so different caliber of opponent there to be trying to compare those two games yeah yeah real quick before we jump into kind of summarizing the Mizzou game I, I kind of just looked at the, the rest of the league and I just want to give you guys some examples of other teams that struggled with air quotes inferior competition and it's kind of staggering actually uh but just real quick uh Oklahoma State squeaked by uh fcs missouri state uh 23 to 16 uh, go bears go bears illinois lost to texas san antonio uh a week sh- after beating nebraska exactly so what does that tell you about nebraska oh yeah uh charlotte beat duke uh oklahoma barely beat tulane that was a five-point game it was really close there at the end Oklahoma's like a perennial top 10 program mm-hmm. uh oregon barely beat fresno state that came down to the wire Mississippi State had to 
mount a heroic comeback to beat Louisiana Tech. Yeah. Number seven in the country, ranked Iowa State, beat FCS Northern Iowa by six points, 16 to 10. Northern Illinois beat Georgia Tech. Montana beat 20th ranked Washington. And Vanderbilt got destroyed by East Tennessee State. Poor Vanderbilt. Oh, man. I don't even know what to say about Vanderbilt. They're just hopeless. But all that to say, unless you are Alabama, there is unpredictability in college football. Stuff happens. I think we should just be happy with how things played out on Saturday. Regroup, figure out what we did wrong, try to fix it, and move on to Kentucky. I agree with you, Kyle. (laughs) All right. Let's dig into this uh, 10-point win. Um, both offenses started pretty hot. Missouri scored in two plays, uh, just a bomb of a pass to Boo Smith, and then a Tyler Beatty touchdown run opened things up early. But Central Michigan answered immediately with a five-play, 75-yard touchdown drive, and uh, Jacob Sermon was four for four throwing the ball on that drive. And that was kind of when the wheels started to come off for the fandom. A little bit because Missouri's defense did not look good at all. Yeah, on that first uh, CMU offensive possession. Right. Yeah. I mean, the the secondary got torched. Uh, the, the defensive line was not getting pressure. That was an ugly drive. That was a not a good defensive possession whatsoever. And it kind of got me. I mean, just thinking in the back of my my mind, like, is Jacob Sermon going to finally put it all together? You know, against Mizzou, but obviously that didn't quite happen. But he looked good in that first yeah. drive. Uh, yeah, I agree. Um, Missouri's offense couldn't really get back on track. Uh, the defense did their part, though. Um, they There was a huge sack. Uh, Trajan Jeffcoat got pressure. Jacob Sermon fumbled the ball but recovered it. I think uh, Makai Wingo got credit for the sack on that play. Um, and then there was an interception by a Caleb Evans. So the defense was coming up with big plays in timely moments because CMU's offense looked like they were finding a rhythm on multiple drives. And then Missouri would just kind of slam the door shut with just like a huge, um, a huge play that just uh, a huge disruptive play that uh, slowed everything down. Yeah, it was a little bit of that bend don't break yeah. break mentality. Yeah, I, I don't know. M- M- Missouri's they defense, broke a couple of times. Yeah, all game it was kind of like, okay, Central Michigan's just, just like kind of ripping off huge gains seemingly whenever they want, but then the rest of the time. Missouri's like stopping them for a loss or like getting a sack. So it was kind of, I would say Missouri's whole game could be described as very Jekyll and Hyde. A little volatile. Yes, absolutely. Uh, CMU was the next team to score though. They had a pretty impressive drive, seven play, 88 yard drive. And there was the big plays everywhere. Um, Their offense had plays of 14, 27, 14, 16, and 18 yards that last one, an 18-yard touchdown run. Um, and it just seemed like Missouri was struggling to tackle, was struggling to get pressure uh, consistently. And, um, yeah, they were getting beat in the yeah. run game, like just losing gap yeah. uh, responsibilities. Like right. not the linebackers were not where they needed to be. Yeah. Yeah, the, the run game, it looked like Central Michigan was going to be able to do whatever they wanted. I noticed multiple times, you mentioned the linebackers, were, were like getting sucked into the middle of the line, mm-hmm. and then Central Michigan's running backs were just good enough to just take the ball outside and just rip off huge gains, and the linebackers couldn't recover. And even uh, Martez Manuel was coming down into the box to help stop the run, 
but then he and the linebackers would get sucked into the middle and the running back would just go right around yeah it's like they couldn't decide if they wanted to pressure the quarterback or try and stop the run they kind of kept almost getting caught in between and right. doing neither uh but yeah that was interesting you know obviously we're, we're looking at a new defensive scheme uh so clearly the players took a, a little bit to kind of uh figure out what that was going to look like what their responsibilities were uh martin martez manuel like you said yeah i was kind of surprised to see him like up in the box as much as he was well you mentioned the new scheme how much of the new scheme were they running because it sure seems like missouri's secondary was playing a lot of man-to-man a defense lot of man still. yeah that's uh it's a good point they did play a lot of man and i don't know if that has anything to do with kind of playing the long game kind of maybe come out and confuse kentucky next week and play something completely different i don't know if they're trying I, to you know, i'll cross my fingers for that yeah that always sounds nice Maybe they're trying to, I don't know, keep the cards close to the vest a little bit and just kind of keep things vanilla. I don't know. but Well, what it, what it, sounds, what it seems like to me, having seen this just a few years ago when Ryan Walters came in and, uh, or uh, DeMonte Cross came in and you know completely changed the Missouri defensive scheme and they were just kind of like, ah, never mind, we'll play the same thing we did last year for a little while. I hope we're not in that kind of situation because we were hearing all offseason how the players are picking up the new scheme pretty well and... It's like, okay, well, maybe the defensive line and the linebackers are on the same page, but there was definitely a focus this offseason that the secondary was going to play more zone coverage. And I really don't feel like we saw that in this game. So if they're just holding it back for a more important game, cool. But if they're just like backtracking a little bit because the players aren't ready to fully adopt it, then that would worry me. Yeah, I haven't seen like a full snap breakdown um, of how much they really played man, but I was surprised to see how much they did. Yeah. So uh, finally, Mizzou got back on the board with a touchdown drive that ended in a 30-yard Tyler Beatty catch and run. Um, This is as good a time as any to talk about Tyler Beatty and how good he looked all game long. Um, While Missouri's offensive line had their struggles it was really such a like Jekyll and Hyde situation where it seemed like half the time Tyler Beatty or uh, whoever was running the ball was getting stopped like at the line of scrimmage and then if they got free they were going for eight plus yards every single time Mm -hmm. which I guess I don't know more a more sustainable like reliable four or five yard carry uh, type of game would be a little bit uh easier to watch i think uh the explosive plays came though when they were needed and there was one of them right there with that tyler Beatty catch and run and he was just showing all game long that he was ready to take over and be potentially an even more dynamic playmaker than larry roundtree yeah i mean i kind of think that's the tyler Beatty we've always had and i mean even since his freshman year he's been so efficient anytime he's gotten a chance to show what he can do he's been great and so I am the least surprised yeah. by the fact that Tyler Beatty uh, had 25 carries and 200 plus rushing yards. I mean, I think that I really always knew he was capable of that. Um, and he's not going to do that every game. But um, I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, Larry Roundtree's great. And he is one of the best running backs that Mizzou has probably ever had. But I still think Tyler Beatty was probably capable of what he did Saturday earlier in his career mm-hmm. and just didn't really get the chance to show it. So I'm happy that he finally gets this opportunity. Yeah, I mean, this was just like a, a, if you wanted to take some of his games last year and just like extrapolate it out to more touches and be like, yeah, well, what could like he do with averages. more touches? Yeah, that's exactly what he did in this game. So he looked superb. Um, 
Towards the end of the first half, Mizzou tacked on a 53-yard field goal uh, just before halftime to take a 17-14 lead into the locker room. Uh, so it was good to see them, and spoiler alert for the second half, but they were the first team to score in the second half as well. So it was good to see, even though they fell behind 14-7, to they scored the next three times. Um, so they weren't scared. You know, they we've talked about this before, how Coach Drinkwitz's teams seem to have the ability to overcome adversity in a particular game and not get thrown off by things not going super great right at the very beginning. And they showed that in this game as well. Uh, but backing up to that field goal attempt, the announcer said, like, that would have been good from 63 yards. And if you watch the replay from, like, under the uprights, he bombed that kick. <laughs> like, that was incredible. Like, perfectly down the middle. And, yeah, it cleared it by a good 10 yards. I genuinely think Harrison Mevis is probably a top three, top five kicker in all of college football. Yeah, poten- like, arguably the best kicker that Missouri's ever had. Yeah, he's on pace for that. Yeah. I mean, his... Just from, like, ability. Not yes. necessarily the numbers, obviously, yet, but... Yeah. I, I hope... He's only a sophomore. <laughs> I know. I hope we are at some point in a situation where he is just, like, has to go out there and try to kick, like, a 64-yarder. Yeah. And I don't... I guess, technically, I don't want to be in that situation, but also I just want to see him tested, like, truly tested in a big spot with like just a crazy long field goal just to see what would happen because right now he's like i don't like how good i feel about him going out and kicking field goals because i just feel like it's too fun yeah eventually i'm going to be let down but until that happens uh, just roll with it um overall the first half i thought that uh central michigan played a pretty ugly game they had a lot of penalties that helped missouri out Missouri's offense uh, sputtered at times, and it seemed like they were trying to at times force the deep pass, and it just wasn't connecting. They got that first one on the first play of the game, but then after that, they went back to it several times. They were bailed out by a pass interference once, but other than that, they just weren't really connecting on the deep ball, even when the wide receivers had separation. Yeah, it seemed like the play calling was like a little suspect at times. like the fourth down play, I think they, I really thought they left some point on the table with play calling. Um, in particular, yeah, they went over one and fourth down in the game, but I'm pretty sure that was in the first half, right? Where they tried to go, they were on their own, tried to throw it to 20 or 30 yard line, got batted down. Yeah, it yeah. was just like a weak little pass. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was like he was covered, it was fourth and one, yeah. just run the ball straight up the middle. And or I don't know, I mean, that doesn't always work, but it just seemed like they tried to get cute in a couple of moments and. Uh, just a cu- like a couple of little flea flicker, flea flicker plays and stuff that I just I don't know. Um, sometimes I just almost think some of that stuff can get a little too cute, but when it works, it's great though. Well, I thought they came out in the second half and were a little bit more straightforward in their play calling. Yeah. They, I was really looking for them to try more underneath routes, and that's exactly what they came out and did. Uh, more screen passes to the running backs, some over the middle underneath routes to Chisholm and uh, Chance Looper. Um, on the subject of wide receivers, I thought all of the receivers from Missouri outside of uh, Boo Smith and Mookie Cooper, who are just quite small, looked big. Yeah. Like, I was surprised at how big Dominic Lovett looked and Chance Looper looked. We already know that Chisholm and Dove have some size to them. But I feel like overall the receiving core looked big, athletic. 
Dominic Lovett does not look like a true freshman no. out on the field. No, and he's going to make an immediate impact. He didn't have a catch on Saturday, but clearly an impact player. I mean, they wanted to get it to him. Uh, had several targets. Uh, had that big pass interference yeah. call in the end zone. What do you think about that call? I honestly don't really remember. I think I just watched it in real time, and that yeah. was all I saw of it. But if it's if it's reversed, I'll be honest. I don't love it. If Mizzou's on, if I I don't Dominic love it. If uh, Mizzou's on defense, there, <laughs> I try to be honest about those type of calls. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, once I saw the flag, I was like, okay, looks yeah. good. I don't need to see it again. <laughs> I thought overall the, the officials were pretty solid. Yeah, I thought they did a good job. Yeah, there wasn't anything egregious. There was that one, uh, like, fourth down spot that yeah. Coach okay. Drinkwitz okay, well, was. That was, the, uh, that was the play I was just talking about. Oh, okay. They had to – that was the only thing that really made me angry in this game was, yeah, I'm pretty sure Tyler Beatty – uh, converted on third down right and but they they said the spot was short and then they had to go for it on fourth and didn't get it so yeah, it was I a bad even, spot i don't I think thought. they should have even had to go for it on fourth there right but whatever yeah that's how it goes okay where were we here uh jalen carlise came back in the second half he was suspended for the first half going back to a hit from last year and in, almost immediately impacted the game by grabbing an interception on an overthrown ball. So he made his presence felt yeah, right he's, away. He's a difference maker. Um, like I said, Mizzou started working in more underneath passes. Uh, Central Michigan was still sloppy with penalties. And eventually, um, Elijah Young ripped off a 32-yard touchdown run. He looked so good, broke a arm tackle. Mm-hmm. And Mizzou went up 24-14. to it looked like they might be able to pull away here, but Central Michigan came back with an 11-play touchdown drive, and again, they got it done with huge chunk plays. Um, and then at the very end of that drive, uh, Jacob Sermon went out after a huge hit by uh, Carlisle. Like, he laid the boom on him, and that you was, could tell his ribs were uh, not feeling good after that. That was definitely one thing I was thinking, like, man, Jacob Sermon is going to be sore tomorrow because he was getting not just destroyed. Not just that play. Oh, yeah, like, several Yes, plays. often. Uh, but then their backup quarterback came in and just like nonchalantly throws a touchdown pass. It was very close to being incomplete. Yeah. But I thought the refs got that one right after replay that he just barely had his foot still on the ground in the back of the end zone. And that was just like classic Mizzou defense play, I feel like, where just like it, all, just stop him on this one play, like third and long backup yeah. quarterback comes in. Yeah. And I you, had a bad feeling from the get-go. Yeah. But you're exactly right. This was – that last chance to to stop them like in a condensed like red zone situation still can't do it yeah <laughs> because that um if they stop them there hold them to a field goal that maybe just changes yeah. the entire outlook of the game kind of seals it almost yeah well, not seals it but, but i think that would just go a long way to missouri being able to just assert their dominance a little bit more in the second half i i feel like they were eventually able to do that in the fourth quarter but i think it could have been it could have happened earlier. Um, there was a lot of complaints online about Missouri's offensive and defensive line play, and I've talked about how it was very hit or miss, but I think they just showed by the fourth quarter that they were just better athletes and better conditioned because they started to wear down Central Michigan's lines. Um, they were bringing a lot of pressure on defense and basically just running right through the offensive line at times. Uh, you mentioned Sermon getting beat up, but also just being hurried. I think I saw a stat from uh, Pro Football Focus where um, 
Missouri had the most quarterback hurries of any team in week one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the problem with that was a lot of it wasn't the defensive line. A lot of it was because they just dialed up a lot of blitzes, and right. Blaze Aldridge is an incredible uh, like pursuit linebacker, yeah. in which we knew that coming in. I think I even said preseason, like, if there's anything Blaze Aldridge can offer that Nick Bolton didn't, it's he is going to be a heat-seeking missile in the yep. backfield, yep. and that's exactly what he was on Saturday. But I still, yeah, I think the defensive line, yeah, they, they ended up having a decent game, but um, a lot of the sacks and hurries we had were because of, like, safety and linebacker blitzes. Yeah, and that's worrisome. That's that's kind of a thing where, and honestly, we'll get to this in the t Kentucky game, but when a team is just has better athletes and they're just outmatched a little bit physically, Missouri kind of figured out late in this game, we can just bring pressure and hold up just enough in the secondary that we can bring pressure in Jacob Sermon's face and throw him off his rhythm, yeah. and they're not going to be able to do much. Exactly. Our secondary is, is good enough to be left on an island, yeah. and if that means getting pressure, and that's really what ended up being the winning formula. Yeah. Now, against Kentucky, with a better quarterback and better weapons, um, better offensive line, maybe that doesn't work so well, and you could definitely be exposed if you're overdoing it with something like that just out athleting a team you know when you go up against a team that's in the sec that's not going to work as well um on the offensive side though missouri started to dominate uh, the the trenches as uh, on that side as well um, missouri's next offensive drive featured seven straight runs before a defensive pass interference call set mizzou up at the two yard line uh Bazelak found Nico Hay for, I almost said read Nico, <laughs> found uh, Nico Hay for a touchdown to go up by 10, 31 to 21. He was looking for Nico Hay on the play that got uh, pass interference and then went right back to him for the touchdown. Good to see Nico Hay being a, a threat in the red zone for sure. Yeah, we, we need him to, we need somebody to step up in the red zone. He seems like a great candidate to do that. Yeah. Uh, CMU went three and out in, on that drive, or not really a drive. Missouri got two tackles for loss, um, just adding to those numbers as they just started to bulldoze through the offensive line. Uh, Mizzou punted on their next possession, but Grant McGinnis, with just an excellent punt, was downed at the two-yard line. Uh, but Central Michigan did go on a little bit of a drive, but then it was derailed by Sean Robinson, of all people, Again, just busting right through the offensive line. For untouched. Yeah. Completely untouched. He looks fast. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. He looked like he, I mean, I was surprised. I saw him out there like quite a bit. Yeah. I was actually surprised how many snaps he played he on played defense. He played very well. Uh, Central Michigan did get a 51-yard field goal to go through to make it a one-score game in the fourth quarter. Uh, Mizzou's final offensive possession started with a massive 69-yard run by Tyler Beatty, but uh, they were they did have to settle for a field goal to go up by 10. Yeah, I think if that play was earlier in the game, Tyler Beatty probably scores, but you could tell he was he was feeling tired by the end of that game. I think he had uh, 25 carries will do that to you. The final possession of the game for Central Michigan, or for either one of the teams, ended on a Makai Wingo sack to seal the win for Mizzou. 34-24. All's well that ends well, right, Kyle? Absolutely right. Makai um, Wingo, first sack of his career. Um, pretty sure he led the defensive tackles and snaps, maybe even all defensive line. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say, barring injury, 
Uh, Makai Wingo is not going to redshirt. He yeah. is needed right. on the defensive line. I mean, I think we thought, like, before the season, like, we have all this returning depth, uh, but when you really think about it, it's, like, the same kind of, like, unspectacular players that we've that we've had all this, you know, Akil Byers, Chris, Chris Jones, not Chris Jones, uh, Chris Turner. <laughs> Chris Jones is really good at defensive tackle, actually. Yeah. Uh, Chris Turner, you know, uh, even Kobe Whiteside at times, like those guys are, are good players. We appreciate what they've done, but uh, they need they need some help and mm-hmm. some. If we can inject some young talent uh, into the line, I'm I'm all for that. And clearly, he was a difference maker. Yeah, uh, defensively, I thought the secondary absolutely did their job for the most part um it was good to see all those defensive backs kind of rotate around and obviously a caleb evans he's he's gonna go to the nfl i mean he definitely looked like the real deal and i'm super thankful that we got him in the transfer market um i was a little bit disappointed i guess in uh martez manual just kind of getting lost on a few plays especially on run defense um he's still i guess from him i most of the time just don't want to know what he's doing i just kind of want him to be making tackles when the run gets to him or uh breaking up passes every once in a while but i really just want him like making it to where the quarterback doesn't want to throw the ball to that side of the field and being like the last line of defense in the run game. And it seemed like there were too many times where he got sucked in on uh, one direction of the, the run play or the, the play action or something. And then that led to a negative outcome for Missouri's defense. Mm-hmm. You mentioned the transfer market. I can't really imagine where we would be without uh, a Caleb Evans or Blaze Aldridge. Yeah. Um, I don't know why that's not just the standard going forward. And Connor Wood too. Connor Wood right. came in and played really well for the offensive line. Uh, he, he spelled Xavier uh, Delgado for a little while. I don't know why you don't just look to add a few transfers every summer because these guys are instant contributors. They're experienced leaders on your team. Um, and you're not always going to land players this talented, but But man, it doesn't hurt you a lot if it doesn't, if no, they don't work just out. Immediate help. And those guys were some of the best players in the field. And I agree with you. Caleb Evans looked like an NFL player on Saturday. And sometimes like, I kind of wanted to stress, like, it take you know, I'm excited about these players, but it takes a little while to integrate into a new defense. No, not the case at all right, for these right. guys. They were just immediately uh, the best players on the field on Saturday. Uh, Jacob Sermon's play definitely slowed down as the game went on. Uh, he was pressured a ton in the second half. Uh, so his numbers ended up looking pretty pedestrian. Um, Lou Nichols, though, the Central Michigan running back, seven yards per carry on 19 carries. He was super efficient, pretty much did whatever he wanted. That's worrisome when you look at uh, the running back that we're going to have to face this coming week for Kentucky. Uh, we talked about Tyler Beatty's stats. Mookie Cooper did see some action. They got him like a couple reverses and a couple like short screen type passes. Mm-hmm. He wasn't able to do much with them, but I noticed that when he touches the ball, there's like a few receivers in the NFL that it seems like whenever they touch the ball, they're not just trying to like get their yards and go out of bounds. They're trying to get to the end zone, whatever means possible. So like uh, DJ Moore, Tyreek um, Hill, Tyreek Hill, uh, Deontay Johnson. Those are guys that like they touch the ball. They are trying to get to the end zone. And Mookie Cooper just has that feel about him. Yeah. And 
like you said, Mookie Cooper didn't do a whole lot with uh, his plays on Saturday. He is, you know, kind of still dealing with a foot injury that he didn't really practice in fall camp very much. Yeah. Um, he hasn't played a actual football game in like two or three years because uh, he was in that ineligible his senior year and then didn't play at Ohio State his freshman year. So this is a guy who's literally just out there trying to kind of figure out what yeah. it's like to play in a football game again. Yeah. But still, though, just the way he moved, just his agility, like – it still just looks elite and oh, yeah. it, it really almost he almost does kind of look like a Tyree kill out there yeah. just because of their similar body types like they're kind of short but super just elite like short burst speed yeah. shiftiness shiftiness um yeah I, I think we'll see him uh kind of expand his role over the season whenever he gets more comfortable he'll I think he'll be used in, in longer deeper passes but uh yeah I think Saturday was all about just kind of dipping the toe back in just kind of feeling what it's like to get hit again that kind of stuff yeah he's he mentioned that specifically in the post-game interview that like getting tackled like legitimately tackled in a game by an opposing player for the first time uh takes him getting used to so mm-hmm. he was happy to kind of get that under his belt um i think missouri's running backs are going to be solid for a long time yeah uh elijah young looks like he'll be ready to step into that starting running back role next year Dawson Downing was on the field for a couple of third downs and pass protection. Yeah. But I agree with you. Yeah, running back room looks good for the foreseeable future. Um, what do you think overall of Connor Bazelak's play? I saw some criticism of him. Um, I do think it's still early. I think he played well enough. Um, I would like to see more accuracy on the deep ball. There was one play where he got sacked where I think he just missed a wide open uh, Nico Hay over the middle. But other than that, if he can fine-tune the deep ball a little bit, I, I can't remember which receiver it was. It was either Boo Smith or, or maybe Lovett that was kind of gesturing to him after a missed deep ball, like, throw it where I can run underneath it. And so if he if they can get that down a little bit, then they'll be that will unlock a new dimension to the offense because the receivers were getting past the defender multiple times, yeah, and they just weren't able to sync up on the deep ball. Yeah, he was a little unspectacular in this game. Um, again, it may have just been vanilla play calling a little bit. <clears throat> uh, obviously got off to a great start with the deep ball to Boo Smith, but um, yeah, I think at, at times he almost kind of looked a little reminiscent of like Alex Smith, like just was afraid to go deep and whenever he did go deep it didn't always hit and i think that uh i'd maybe kind of hope to see him look a little like he's like he had expanded his game a little bit but i i still have high hopes for what he can do this year um i think he's he's never gonna lose you a game you know what i mean like he's very smart with the ball he i love watching him go through his progressions i thought that was one thing that he did look like he improved a lot on was just like okay first option's not there like looking for number two if he's not you know he was really taking his time to analyze not forcing anything and make the smart decision yeah i thought he looked really comfortable doing that was there anything major we haven't touched on from this game i feel like there was a lot to learn um coach drinkwitz has talked about you know shoring up the tackling um he kind of criticized his own play calling a bit which we kind of touched on earlier he thinks there's room for improvement there not getting in so many third and longs. That was an area that Missouri struggled mightily. I think they were one of 11 yep. on third down. Exactly right. That was really the only thing that I had left to say was I I almost feel like we were fortunate to score 34 points in this game. I would agree. We went one for 11 on third down and over one on fourth down. That's pretty sketchy. Yeah. And thank God we had some of those explosive plays in first and second down or else it might have been, been ugly. That's true. It would have been a lot. It would have been much more of a nail biter, I believe. 
But Missouri is 1-0. Moving on to SEC play here in week two. Uh, normally, we would cover any changes to the depth, to the depth chart, but I don't believe there were any. Uh, it would be the same as last week. So now we are looking at Kentucky. Kentucky is 1-0 after a 45-10 victory over Louisiana Monroe. Um, the Warhawks, as we alluded to earlier, are not a good team. They were 0-10 last year on the season and have a terrible offense that Kentucky's defense just completely manhandled. The only reason uh, the Warhawks scored, really, was because of a fluky tipped ball interception that set them up in really good field position. That was actually like the first score of the game. Um, Monroe went up. 7-0 and kind of like put a scare in the Wildcats and <laughs> Kentucky did not look good early in this game like no. offense and defense they were kind of struggling a bit especially on offense but uh Kentucky is now the number one yardage defense in the country after giving up like 87 total yards of offense in week yeah. one you don't just do that to a good team obviously uh Louisiana Monroe had a lot to do with that happening um but this is definitely a better team than Missouri saw in week one. Yeah, I think that's the kind of thing that Kentucky's always done, though, is they've been good in the trenches. They kind of uh, muddy up a game, make it really hard to score. It seems like every time we play Kentucky, we're lucky to score 20 points. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I'm pretty sure we did actually score 20 points exactly last year in a win. But I think uh, Kentucky, um, they're always good in the run game, always good on defense, but they've had pretty suspect quarterback play in the past, and it looked like that could change uh, this year. And I think that's really the one thing that jumped off the television screen. I was watching this game last week was, oh, my, Kentucky looks like they may have figured out uh, how to run the play action with a quarterback uh, that can throw it deep. So, and they've got um, some speedy receivers that for can sure. make it happen. So this is a little bit different of a, a little different Kentucky team than I think we've seen in the last five years or so. They're definitely going to have more of that NFL-style offense. They have a new offensive coordinator who spent the last three years with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, and anytime you're spending time with Sean McVay, uh, you're probably going to soak up some offensive genius. So Yeah, you'll at least have some good plays. Yeah, so I definitely um, that this is maybe a little tougher game than I think I perceived uh, that, that this could be before the season, and because I kind of just thought this might be the same old Kentucky, um, which they've still beat us so like the yeah. last like five of six seasons or something like right. that. So uh, it, this is this would be a pretty interesting game. Yeah, I think I was kind of hopeful, and obviously Kentucky knows how to schedule their opponents uh, accordingly, but. I was hopeful that maybe it would take Kentucky a little bit longer to figure it out on offense and get the pieces all put together. Now, I don't think we have a guarantee that they have done that because their opponent was so bad in week one. I agree. Um, but when we kind of talked about the way Missouri against Central Michigan was able to kind of become more dominant in that game was by just bringing more pressure just generally and not it didn't have to be too disguised or exotic just like we're going to bring more players than you can handle and your quarterback's not going to be good enough to exploit it. If uh, Will Levis has enough wherewithal to check down when Missouri brings pressure and if the speedy wide receivers can get open, I don't know that Missouri will be able to afford to bring the kind of pressure they brought against Central Michigan because they'll just be leaving somebody on an island and 
Kentucky's defense or offense will be good enough to take advantage. I'm afraid. Yeah, I actually think that that could be the key to how we beat Kentucky, though, because I really trust the secondary, and it took me a little bit to get to that point on Saturday, but I think I'm at the point where with Jalen Carlisle out there, Caleb Evans, I think that if that's really all maybe we can do, if if Will Levis is as good as he looked on Saturday, we have got to put pressure on him all we can. I'm not sure how we win if we don't. And luckily, though, we have a good enough secondary that can hang on a little longer if they need to, can be put on an island if they need to. Uh, it'll be really interesting how they how they attack, but you got to be cognizant of the run game too. That's the problem is uh, they can beat you on the ground or through the air. Yeah, Chris Rodriguez is one of the best running backs in the SEC, and they'll feed him plenty. And that Missouri's going to have to maybe not. I wouldn't necessarily classify it as like stacking the box. But they're going to have to bring help down to make sure that he doesn't just run all over him. And so, I don't know. I'm, I am a little bit concerned that if Missouri's defense kind of has the same game plan as last week, that Kentucky will be good enough to take advantage. But if they were holding something back last week and are going to be able to play more zone coverage, and if that helps the safeties and linebackers be able to step up and stop the run a little bit better then I think Kentucky will kind of have a rude awakening, you know, compared to game one against an inferior opponent. Mm -hmm. And I do think this is a high-pressure situation for Kentucky, too. Like, their off-season promises have been fulfilled so far in week one. You know, their new retooled offense looked really good. Home game, SEC opponent, night game. I think there's going to be a full stadium. I think think they'll be feeling the nerves more so than Missouri in this one. Yeah, I mean, both teams are in the exact same situation, uh, have kind of historically been middle of the road SEC East teams, but both feel like they have the pieces to make a run at at Georgia. And... But you can't do that if you don't win this game. Right. And Kentucky being favored, I think, is what will make them feel the pressure more than Missouri. Yeah, for sure. Um, Have you you seen the... uh, thing about will levis has gone viral for a very weird thing he does no uh he eats bananas peel and all that just is like, very strange just takes a bite out of it like an apple and uh i'm sure this is gonna be one of those things where kentucky fans are just absolutely sick of hearing it by the yeah. end of the year like they're just gonna get brought up like every single game right kind of like the like basil like ran the triple option or whatever it is the yeah. wishbone or whatever right um this is a little bit more strange than that though. yes it is and they actually like one of the sideline reporters for sec network last week like took a bite of a banana like that just for just to like really yeah, show what it's like just to give entertainment value yeah. or something so that's just wanted to give you a fair warning you're probably gonna hear about that on, <laughs> on saturday <laughs> i'm trying to think if there's any uh any big weakness that kentucky might have uh, I still think they haven't gone up against a real defense. Yeah. And so that'll be uh, one way that Missouri can maybe take advantage. Yeah. I mean, like you said, um, they're pretty well-rounded on offense. They've got a great offensive line. Uh, Darian Kennard has played like 27 straight games at, at tackle. They got a, a transfer tackle, Dare Rosenthal from LSU. He was a big loss for them. Uh, they, I mean, they've got NFL caliber players on their offensive line. That makes me think even more so we may have to blitz to be able to get pressure because I'm not sure the defensive line is going to be able to handle uh, going against freaking Kentucky's massive offensive linemen. Yeah. It's just going to be a battle. So they may have to get creative there. 
But, um, yeah, I mean, we don't really know what Kentucky can do on defense, though, um, just because of their for their week one opponent mm-hmm. presented nothing. Yeah. Uh, I, I hope that Mizzou is able to exploit a little bit better than uh, – I don't even know who they played. I don't – like the – who did the Kentucky play last Louisiana week? Louisiana Monroe Warhawks. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm very familiar with them. Um, I can't remember if I pointed him out by name, but Wandale Robinson, the, the wide receiver – um, an incredible playmaker. Mm-hmm. He uh, transferred in from Nebraska and um, is having more success. I'm sure he's looking back on that decision fondly at this point. Yeah, and uh, same with Josh Ali. Last week he had five receptions for 136 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. That's 27 yards per catch. So pretty much exactly what Boo Smith did last week, just a few more receptions. They had four wide receivers average more than 25 yards per catch. Wow. Yeah, they were they were bombing it deep a lot, early and often. Yep, and a lot of it came off of play action. So yes. um, that's what's going to make it so. That's just what makes them so difficult to defend is because they are so good in the run game. Uh, you want to bite, and then uh, nope, it's play action, yeah. and it's just I mean it's kind of like uh, Derrick Henry and the Tennessee Titans that they can run the play action so well because why wouldn't you hand it off to Derrick right. Henry every play? So right. it's gonna be it's gonna be a battle. It's gonna be really hard to to defend. Okay, this this it's time. we don't sound like two people that are about to predict a Mizzou victory. Am I wrong? It's just hard because we just don't really know what Kentucky is after they they, just, they, they obviously have all the pieces to be great. Yeah, they haven't truly been tested yet, but it's it's completely possible some aspects of that are fraudulent, but it's completely possible that they are legit. In, I, yeah, for sure. In almost every way. I kind of think that Missouri is a team that's young and um, just some is just having to make defensive changes. I think Missouri is a team that is going to get better over the course of the year. But I do think this is kind of an unfortunate matchup in week two uh, with a team that just kind of looks ready to go. Um, I think that this is going to be a loss. And I think originally before the season, I think I said this was a win. And so it looks like I'm maybe going back on my word a little bit about season expectations, but I swear nothing about me predicting a loss here has to do anything with Missouri and what I saw Saturday. It's purely Kentucky looked very impressive. They looked like they have taken a step. They look like a different team. Um, And we've given you the disclaimers about who they played last week. So maybe none of this matters next week. Maybe they're just back to the same old Kentucky. Um, They have terrible quarterback play. I don't know. Um, but I think it'll be a really good game. I think it'll be close. Um, I hope Missouri brings the energy. I don't know why they wouldn't, but um, I think Kentucky wins this game 31 to 28. Uh, I have it Kentucky 28 to 24. So right there with you, it's going to come down to the wire. It'll be a coin flip game. I mean, Kentucky's favored by five and a half points at home. That's close enough to be anybody's ball game, you know. Under a touchdown favorite, I think, is obviously a winnable game. Missouri definitely can do it. It's going to take a couple turnovers. It's going to take winning the penalty the penalty margin, just like they did last week. Um, win both of those areas, and I think you're in it to the very end. Yep. I agree with you. It could easily be flipped. This could be... A very memorable win if they're able to pull this off. Um, I don't think Barry Odom pulls this game off. I'll just say that. 
I think this is a, it's a new era, so you never know what can happen. I don't want to count anybody out, but it, it'll be a tough game. Mizzou's wearing the all-white road uniforms, always look clean. Mm. They've, they're going Tiger Head logo. Yep. We saw Block M a ton last year. They're just complete pivot away from it. It's only week two, Cameron. I'm kind of scared. I think you'll see it eventually. Okay. All right. They'll, just, they'll bring it out for SEMO, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible. Big game. Um, okay, so we're both predicting a loss, unfortunately, but it'll be close. Missouri can totally win this game. Um, if it's a blowout either way, I will be shocked. Mm-hmm. I think um, it's possible that Kentucky wins by a touchdown, but I think Missouri has enough, and they're not going to back down, and they'll be right in it to the end. Now let's pick some more games. Let's pick the rest of the SEC slate plus Nebraska. Unfortunately, producer Cameron not here this week to pick with us or uh, defend his Cornhuskers this week. Uh, most or about half of the SEC slate is against FCS opponents, unfortunately. So we will be just be skipping those because there's no line for those matchups. But we will start with Vanderbilt at Colorado State. Can you refresh our memories on the, on the rules of this game? The rules of the game are we are picking this game straight up. Just pick the winner. And you get a point if you pick correctly. You get a bonus point if you correct, correctly predict an upset. So in this first matchup, Vanderbilt is a seven-point underdog on the road at Colorado State. So if you pick Colorado State and they win, you get a point. If you pick Vanderbilt and they win, you get two points. I don't know anything about Colorado State. Um, I think I'm going to go for the upset. I think Vanderbilt figures it out. Okay, I'll take the easy point. I will take Colorado State at home. This is a season-long thing, too, by the way. And I actually uh, brandish this trophy here. Oh, bit. yeah. I've got my, my name here on the bottom for for winning the, the pick'em. Kyle won last year. I won the year before and the year before that. So Congratulations. I'm up 2-1 to one on the season total standings. So, yeah, this will go all season long. Uh, we'll be picking against some guest pickers who are our Patreon supporters later in the season. And we'll see if they can do any better than us. But for now, it'll be just the two of us going head to head with some uh, with some non-conference matchups. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Colorado State is better than whatever FCS team Vanderbilt just lost to at home. Probably. So I'm going to take Colorado State. Nice and safe. Pick against the SEC team. Nice and safe. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, we have South Carolina going on the road against rival east carolina south carolina is a whopping two point favorite on the road that's crazy um i'll pick south carolina i'm a little bit surprised that line isn't a little bit bigger all right i'll keep it going i'll go anti-sec again wow. i'll go with east carolina wow traitor home teams for me please <laughs> okay now we have uh our another sec underdog this time at home Tennessee is a three-point underdog at home against Pittsburgh. That's a tough one. I'll do. Um, I'll just start it out. I'll do it again. SEC zero and three. I'm taking Pittsburgh. Okay. Well, that means I have to pick Tennessee. They're always good at like the beginning of the year, and then they spiral out of control at some point. But I think they'll, I think they'll win this game. Okay. It's going to be hard to pick against the SEC in this one. We have number thirteen Florida, a twenty-eight and a half point favorite 
on the road against South Florida. Give me the Gators. Yeah, that sounds good. Next up, uh, this one might be tough for you. We have Georgia at home, number two Georgia at home against UAB. Uh, UAB is 1-0 on the season. Not bad. Georgia is a 24-point favorite. Georgia, uh, wow. I guess, first of all, impressive win over Clemson last yeah. week. I think that what they gave up. Was it like 10 to 3? Was that the final score? Yeah, I think so, yeah. That's in some ways, maybe it's snoozer, but if you're a defender. And, and uh, the, the only touchdown was on a like 70 yard pick six, I think. Yeah, I actually don't even know. But uh, that's Georgia's defense is unbelievable. Uh, I think they'll beat UAB. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I'll Next. just have to pick Georgia. Yeah. Uh, number five, Texas A&M on the road against Colorado. Texas A&M, a 17-point favorite on the road. I'm going to pick A&M here, but um, they really struggled at a little bit in the first half of who did they play? I don't remember, but it was... That an, team they played. That yeah. team they played that was not supposed to do well against them. It was actually um, it was pretty tight in the first half, and then A&M ran away with it in the second half, but... Same thing will happen here. They might not be. The, they might not be a top five team. I'll just throw that out there. I was. I think they, you thought. We thought they were frauds they all, year, might, all year. They last might year. be a little fraudulent. I'm just gonna put that out there. Well, just they're on the Missouri's seed. schedule this year, so plant the seed. We have to actually back it up. All right. Interesting game in Fayetteville. We have number 15 Texas traveling to play Arkansas. Texas, a seven point road favorite. Oh, gosh, this makes me nauseous just thinking of how much I hate both of these teams. I have to pick one to win. Yeah. Uh, give me Texas, I, I guess. Yeah, I mean, uh, Arkansas looked pretty good once they got it going. Like, they started out slow, but they kind of picked it up last week. Um, I guess I like that that home underdog. I'll take Arkansas. Oh, my God. Now, would you pick Mercer to beat Alabama by any chance? Do we need to pick that? I, if I knew what the line was, that would help me a lot. It's got to be like, if there was a line, it would probably be like 50 points. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, like, the th- Alabama's third team will come in and still just, like, it's still potentially dangerous physically for the Mercer players. <laughs> uh, they could probably... <laughs> How many... Never mind. Say it. I don't want to. I don't want to insult Mercer any further. A bunch of good, good guys. I'm sure. Yes. Uh, okay. And we have another SEC home underdog. This time, Mississippi State is well, barely an underdog against North Carolina State. North Carolina State somehow favored by one point. Uh, Mississippi State looked pretty fraudulent last week. Uh, cannot believe they came back and won that game. Um, Mike Leach, his days might be numbered. On the hot seat already. I'm picking NC State. Uh, give me the home team. I'll take Mississippi State. Okay. A lot of difference. Weird. Yes, yeah, that's great. This we don't usually. This, this is going to be spicy. One of us could jump out to an early lead. Yeah. It's a little scary to think about, actually. I know. I'll have to pay attention to these games more than I usually do. Going to have some math to add up here. Seriously. Okay. Last one we're going to pick. This is a tough one. We have the one and one Nebraska Cornhuskers. Who did they play besides Illinois? No idea. Fordham. Oh, okay. Big big game against Fordham. Did they win easily? Uh, I think they actually got down seven to zero, maybe, and ended up winning like forty-five to seven mm. or something. But well, Nebraska is a fourteen-point favorite at home against Buffalo. Buffalo's one and zero. What? Nothing. 
Oh, okay. I was just thinking. Okay. Does Wes Clark still play for Buffalo? Uh, Wes Clark played for <laughs> Buffalo's basketball team <laughs> like four years ago. Give me Nebraska. I hate doing it, but I got to do it. Man, I feel like Nebraska is actually bad. They are. Oh, they're horrible. But Buffalo, they got to win that. Do they? Illinois is bad. I think Buffalo is actually really good. You should pick them. <laughs> okay, I'll pick Nebraska <laughs> just because you said that. <laughs> I, I might have picked <laughs> Buffalo. You ruined it for oh, yourself. Oh, man. They're going to pull it off now. Uh, they will. I should have picked them. That's it? That's it. Good night. No, you got you. Have, you have more to say than that. Uh, did we miss anything? I mean, we really powered through that. Um, good win. I think we covered it. Big game on Saturday. Oh yeah. Uh, gonna be a fun weekend. Let's go two and zero. Let's go two and zero. I would be very happy to be wrong. Absolutely huge win, if so. All right, everybody. You can find us on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail you can find our t-shirts and stickers at our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, 430 Horse, and Luis Hernandez. It's a lot of names. I love it. A lot of good thank names. You. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.